Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. The power of sound for transformation has long been documented. I myself spent several years working with music for healing and for the exploration of consciousness. Then there is the human voice. My guest today has spent decades researching and developing groundbreaking ways for accessing the power of voice for profound change. You are invited to join us for our special guest, Jill Purse. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. Head there to discover your creative advantage by taking the Creative Innovator Quiz. Find out your personal innovator style so that you can open your creative flow and make everything in life easier. Learn to optimize your ability to create more in less time while enjoying every minute. My guest today, Jill Purse, is recognized internationally as the pioneer of both the sound and the ancestral healing movements. In the 1970s, she introduced the teaching of overtone chanting throughout the world and the spiritual potential of the voice for healing and meditation. In the last 40 years, she pioneered her workshops, Healing Voice and Healing the Family and Ancestors. The latter a unique combination of family constellations, chant, and ceremony. Author of The Mystic Spiral, Journey of the Soul, her recordings include overtone chanting meditations and the healing voice. She lives in London and comes to us today from London with her husband, biologist Rupert Sheldrake, who was a guest, prior guest on the show, and their two sons, musician Cosmo and author and biologist Marilyn. Welcome, Jill. I am so really pleased that you have um, made it possible to join me today and join our listeners. You're most welcome, Laurie. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So, because sound has been something so important to me in my life, I'm, I, I want to kind of seed a few questions together, if I might. So I want to know what led you to work with the voice as this transformative tool, but, and then, you know, why the voice and, and how do, how do we lose our voice? And I don't mean the physical voice, but you know what I mean, I think. And then what does it mean to discover your voice? Well, many very, uh, very profound questions there. Um, well, I started, I came to do, to, to work with voice because I realized that we had gone silent. I realized that as a society, we had lost our voices. We were no longer singing together. We were no longer coming together in, in groups and sharing our voices because sacred chant had been hijacked by the professionals. So this has changed a lot since I started. But when I started, if you wanted to join a choir, you had to be able to read music, have an audition, sing in tune. And uh, it was a pretty you know, gr grueling process. And you, you basically had to be a, a musician. And and um, this has completely changed now. But, mm -hmm. but this was because um, in, uh, musical literacy was, was, um, 
when musical, when people started writing down music, which is really the eighth century, it's a long time ago, um, it became such that that you know you could do very complex things and you could you could record them. Um, um, and that meant that the only people who could actually participate were people who could read that particular language, which has always been relatively few. And that meant gradually that um, it became the domain of the professionals. And even now, you know, people, um, especially now, we're, we're, we're a kind of uh, a, a passive culture. We receive, we, we, we put professional music into machines, we put our earphones on our ears, and we try, we try to get it back inside where it's always come from by ramming it through our ears, through, through you know, giving somebody else permission to do that and come inside us rather than make our own sound. But, but I have to say that when I, I started this, um, very long time ago it's becoming quite embarrassing um, how long ago and and when I started that was the case but now I think I started a, a, a real trend of, of people of this kind of reclamation program of our voice and so now there are all kinds of community choirs choirs for people who can't sing that you know that my friend has the getting higher choir in Vancouver <laughs> and um so um, lots of people are, 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 you know, really changing that. And, and I've been giving workshops all, all those years that you mentioned to people and working with a whole cross-section of people from people who say they can't sing, people who say they sing out of tune, you know, they were told to stand at the back and mouth it, right through to, to divas, to very, very professional, you know, solo opera singers of the highest caliber. And, and what's so wonderful is I have the same, I have all the, the whole sort of spectrum in my workshops in the same time. So you'll have, you know, have some very famous opera singer with people who can't sing, you know, and, and this is, there's no other situation where you get that. And, um, so I started because I realized that we had gone silent and, mm -hmm. and, and I, I felt the need for us to reclaim our voices. And, and the, the, the kind of two um, uh, paths that led me to that, one was um, I'd been working and studying Tibetan Buddhism for many, many years and Dzogchen in particular, this particular path within Tibetan Buddhism. And, and I'd been, um, uh, as part of that, there's a tremendous amount of chanting, a chanting mantra, and, and, and I really understood the power of that. Um, and and there was also a particular form of chanting done by the monks, um, not the monks I was actually studying with, or, or the people I was studying with, I wasn't studying with monks, um, a form of chanting where you start, you chant on one note and you amplify the harmonics. Mm -hmm. And then um, in 1971 to 74, I was living and working in Germany with a very, very important um, German composer, Karl-Heinz Stockhausen. And um, he had uh, written a piece called Stimmung for six singers who sit in a circle and who do a very simple form of this form of chanting where they amplify the harmonics um, through, through amplifying the, the, the vowels. So I got these two trajectories through the modern art music uh, lineage, if you like, and through the very traditional lineage of, of, of Tibetan chanting. And, um, and so I somehow this percolated within me and gave me the tools I needed to, um, to work with people. And there are many, many reasons that I was doing that. One, one is that, you know, when you chant, in, in all spiritual traditions, the most important thing is being present. In other words, mm. not being, uh, regretting the past, 
what we didn't do and therefore projecting into the future and anticipating what we have to do as a result of thing we've got in the past um, and isolating ourselves from the present. So we, we've created this timeline of anxiety. What if, what might happen if, and so forth. So, so most of us live most of our time in, in, in this timeline which excludes us from the only reality there is the present. Mm -hmm. So when you chant, you can only chant in the present. And, and so, but it's not enough to chant in the present. You have to, while you're chanting in the present, you have to listen to yourself chanting while you're chanting. Otherwise you can chant and you'll be anxious about the future. But if you create a circuit of attention mm -hmm. where you're listening to the sounds that you're making while you're making them, then you have no choice but to be present. And so this is you, you're being the witness. You're being the witness while you're, you're at taking action. Exactly. Wow. Wow. So, so mindfulness is a way of trying to be mindful of what's happening in the world. But the thing mm -hmm. is, with this, you're doing the very thing you're being mindful of. Mm -hmm. You and you are the witness at the same time. You are doing the thing that you're also witnessing. I love that. That's, that is not something I really um, had understood in that way before. Thank you. Yeah. So, so how... As a culture, you speak about how we've lost our voice, and I think that's still in really in very many ways true. As, a, as an individual, how does an individual lose that connection with that profound, intimate experience of their own voice? Well, through, having, through not having these opportunities to get together with other people because you know community is created through singing and chanting together and it's it's very ironic that this is the one time you know one we're, we're now in the middle of this pandemic of covid and the one thing not only can you not socially be socially intimate but you you also can't sing you know you, mm -hmm. you can't sing and this is very interesting because there's this wonderful one of my heroines is hildegard of bingham who was this 12th century mine too uh, <clears throat> Um, abbess, healer, doctor, artist, uh, musician, um, and so on and so on and so on, Ab um, diplomat. Um, and there was a, an occasion when um, she had buried somebody in hallowed ground, a soldier who came by, and, and um, this was not allowed. And the priest uh, uh, was, um, felt the need to punish her. So he, he thought of the most horrible punishment he could give her. And so what he decided was that she and her sisters could say the mass, but not sing it. And so this forbidding her to sing was the ultimate punishment that he could give her. And so it, it seems to me when I kind of reflect on this and, and that, the, you know, this COVID uh, situation where we can, we can, you know, do things, but we can't sing, mm -hmm. um, seems to me some kind of, well, almost like a sort of cosmic punishment, you know, it's almost like we're, you know, <laughs> We're, we're being alerted to the fact that we've, we've kind of messed the world up horribly. And, right, and, right. So this is making us um, reflect, you know. Yeah, anyway. So how you've been doing your work, I know, during this time, and I, I think you've been doing it virtually, yet people are still being able to come together. Yes, I mean, I, I've, um, one of the things that I do are family constellations, which I'll talk about in, talk about, yep. in a minute. But one of the things that I thought I would never be able to do online is that. And actually, I because I do it ceremonially, I, I do it, you know, because I 
because of the witness. I do it ceremonially. I do it with chant. I do it with movement between each person. And and I thought the one thing, and it's it depends on people moving people moving around in the room and 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 um, you know manifesting the the what's going on in the family and through time. And and I thought this is the one thing that I wouldn't be able to do. But actually, I've uh, you know needs must, and I've 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 worked out a fantastic way of doing it online. So now I do it on Zoom, and I'm just about to do one again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works extraordinarily well. And and I think partly because the work is beyond space and time anyway. Right. What, mm-hmm. what the work is about is working with uh, transgenerational traumas. You know, any mm-hmm. interruption in the normal cycle of a life. You know, early death, suicides, uh, abortions, ad- addictions, um, 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 adoptions, emigrations. Um, um, uh, any kind of injustices, suicides, mm-hmm. murders, illnesses, accidents, anything which interrupts what might be considered a normal flow and development of a lifestyle, of a life, a life history, if you like, um, creates a kind of trauma in the field, in the ancestral and family field, which passes down transgenerationally to somebody in every generation, somebody in every generation, if, if people have been excluded or forgotten or rejected, then then somebody in a, a later generation has to be kind of selected almost to represent that person so that they can heal the interruption, so they can complete the unfinished business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most extraordinary way of working. How do you bring chanting into that? Well, because because it's all based on the idea of there being a family and ancestral field, mm-hmm. really, you know, really like the soul of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is, um, you know, I, I do I do chanting in order to amplify the field to make it very very present. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I do a kind of movement, which was a traditional movement for, for you know, in, in making contact with the ancestors. And um, so I do all kinds of, between working with each person individually, I, I do this sort of ceremonial movement and, and chant. Um, it's not very long. It doesn't need to be very long, but it's between each person. Mm-hmm. So you're really setting the field. Yeah, creating the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And also, I, I, you know, I, I like to work, um, before I start working individually with people, I like to work, um, I have a day when, I, when I, we do ceremonies for the ancestors where we, 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 we kind of go back and we honor our ancestors. Mm-hmm. This is very, very important, you know, in something that's been done in every tradition is honoring the ancestors. And that's how I started, really. I started these very general ceremonies for honoring the ancestors. And I found... <sighs> Totally dramatic things happen to people as a result of doing that. And that's what really led me to, to, to going ahead and doing the family constellations. Ah, because I know that came into your work later, didn't it? Yeah. Well, oh. doing the, the ancestral ceremonies, I mean, I, I right. always done that. No, but, but I mean the family constellation work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about the, about the connection between the two, because I know you do the an- ancestral healing work, and I'm very familiar with family constellation work, but somehow you have created an incredible bridge between the two. Yes, and that, that came because um, as part of my, of my working with sound, when I did these ceremonies to one of the ancestors, discovered the effect they had, and then that led me into sort of incorporating and developing it into family constellations. I know... 
I mean, there were the, the, the man who made this famous, Bert Hellinger, who died last year, who's mm-hmm. a 90-something-year-old German psychotherapist. I knew him very well um, because he used Rupert Sheldrake, my husband's theory, to explain the ancestral family field. Mm-hmm. But actually, the curious thing was that in the early 80s, when I was teaching in Munich one time, um, the, the organizer of my workshop said, this is extraordinary. Do you know the work of Bert Hellinger because your work is so similar? Huh. So already then, you know, so, so the way I developed it was quite independent of him. You know, mm-hmm. many people who do it somehow have followed from mm-hmm. him or, you know, people who've, you know, are taught by people who are taught by him and so on. But mine really developed quite independently through the work I was doing with sound and ceremony. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And And also, I spent time in Japan and was very interested in, you know, in how everybody has an ancestral altar there. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go back to something you had said earlier, because I'm curious, you said in your workshops now, you might have an opera singer, a professional opera singer, and someone who's never sung before in their life. And yet, obviously, it does work because this is what you do. Why would each of those people be drawn to wanting to come? What within them would be bringing them? Well, it's very interesting because because neither um, know about this form of chanting or, or traditionally anyway. It's mm-hmm. again changing, but but both. Uh, if for, for people who've never sung before, it's a way in because it's a way of chanting on a single note only. You don't mm-hmm. have to, you know, being in tune is about relative notes. You know, you have to sing more than one to mm-hmm. have the question arise even. But if you're chanting one note, there's really no question in, in, unless you're chanting as a group and then you kind of have to mix in. Um, and, um, and and it's completely fascinating. The sound is, is really extraordinary. It sounds like the music of the spheres. And then um, famous singers um, are fascinated to it by it too because they don't know how to do it either. It's mm-hmm. a technique mm-hmm. to learn. And, you know, they learn all kinds of techniques, but never this one. So it's something that they're equally fascinated by, many of them. I've taught many of them. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. Um, I saw that you were involved with the creation of the labyrinth at Grace Cathedral yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. And, uh, and I had the opportunity uh, to, to be there and to uh, take part in that. And, and so that, that caught my attention, of course. Um, what is the power of the labyrinth for transformation? I, I see that you've done a lot with that. Yeah, I, I should say that I didn't. I didn't really take part in the creation of the labyrinth, but Lauren okay. Artless, who um, who did create it, had read my book and was very, very influenced by my book because in my book, Mystic Spiral, I talk about. I have a very, very condensed piece about the labyrinths, um, and and that was really before people sort of started discovering them. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, so so it was that that, and then much later on, I worked with the Bishop of California at Grace Cathedral, where there is one in the floor, which she mm-hmm. initiated, and I've done ceremonies in that um, um, labyrinth, and I've done many labyrinth ceremonies, which I've created in different ways. So the the labyrinth is essentially a spiral journey to the center. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a transformational journey, you know, the, 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 the spiral, I wrote the book, The Mystic Spiral, which mm-hmm. I'm talking about, um, which is all about this, this journey, really, it's the pilgrimage, it's the journey uh, of life towards the center, which is the still point within the turning world, if you like. Mm-hmm. But having reached the center, you can't stay there, you have to get back into everyday life, you can't just, 
you know, forget about it. So you have to come out again. And so the remembrance is a journey to the center. It's a, a journey of, of, of realization of um, uh, if, what Jung called individuation, if you like, mm-hmm. and, and then a return to the, to the outside world again. And one of the things I do is I do um, week-long uh, ceremonies based on the mandala, the Tibetan sort of version mm-hmm. of that very complex um, diagram. So I, I, what I've done is I've, I've transformed that into an experience where the, the group of people become the, man, the mandala and we have mm. the spiral journey through each of the four directions and into the central uh, place and then back to the beginning again. And it's a week-long ceremony. Um, and each, each of these ceremonies has a different kind of focus, a different uh, manifestation of enlightenment in the form of uh, a manifestation of the divine being of Tara, for example. Mm-hmm. So I twice a year I do these um, ceremonies. So having written the book The Mystic Spiral in 1973 and published in 74, um, you know, since 2003 I've been doing these huge ceremonies involving continuous chant, um, which are essentially labyrinthine and spiral journeys. Um, where we end up where we began, but totally different. And that's the point about the mm-hmm. labyrinths. You know, you get to the center and you come back again, but you're totally transformed. You you end up where you started, but you're different. Yes. But, yes. but it's the same. I'm struck that, that through one of the themes throughout all of your work is the sense of community. You know, it's, it's, you're not, uh, you're not working one-on-one with somebody. Maybe you do, but, but your work is really very big and, and contained in the sense of creating community in a way that that really nourishes. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, that, for me, that's a that's a key part of my work, if not the key part. Creating kind of sonorous community where we're together and we're chanting together. And I have people who who work with me over the years, and we we have a community of people mm-hmm. um, who have worked with me and who continue to work with me and. One of the things that, you know, they call it the tribe, you know, the, one of the things that they, they love about it is the community. And that's, for me, key because we have no, com- our society is without community. And it's so crucial right now, even more so. So um, I'm, I'm very glad that you are doing the work you are doing because it's something that is, is energetically making that transformation that we need to see happen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, would this be a time that you might be coaxed into sharing some, some uh, sounds with us? Sure. Well, well I, what I could do is I could demonstrate it solo and then, and then okay. I, I, I could uh, allow you to hear it, um, a group of us doing it, a very small group doing it together. Um, That'd be wonderful. Thank so, you. So, um, to, so just to... Um, uh, explain this is chanting on a single note but amplifying the harmonic so it's not about singing different notes but it's about singing one note but by changing the resonant cavities you hear these other sounds and I'll do it and then I'll explain a bit more okay Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know if you can hear the different notes. I don't know how that Indeed. came Indeed. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can play a little bit. Um, I can play a little bit of... Um, a group chant. I mean, that just went right through my body, but particularly my crown just opened wide. It's really And I was also very, I spent some time in Japan at a, at a monastery. And, uh, and every morning at 4 a.m., we went to be with the monks while they were doing their chanting. And this was very, very much like that. And I, I didn't know about overtone chanting, even though I also recognized how I had experienced it a couple of different times without having a clue what that was. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, that, that was extraordinary. And, and one of the reasons it's so amazing is because the, the, the notes that you're hearing, are, they're the harmonics. So these are, um, so one of the things that happened to, to music in the 17th century with the popularity of keyboard instruments, pianos and so forth, is that the tuning that people had been using before, going from one note to five notes above it, and then from that note, five notes above that, five notes above that, this didn't work any longer um, because um, the, 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 you, you, you had a, a kind of instrument which was very in tune in parts and very out of tune in other parts. It was horrible. And, um, and you couldn't change key and blah, blah, blah. And so um, there was a big problem then. And so all sorts of people, mathematicians and musicians and polymaths got together to figure out what they could do to, to make it possible to pay, play these keyboards in tune. And so what they did is they fudged it. So they, they, what happens is that when you, uh, you go from one note to the fifth, to the next fifth, five notes above, five notes above, five notes above, you should come to the octave where above where you started, but you don't. You overlap it by a quarter of a semitone, and it's called oh. the Pythagorean comma. Ah, this is the problem. So what they did is they took this quarter of a semitone and put it back in the octave, making all the intervals in the octave out of tune, out either bigger than they should be or smaller than they should be. Mm -hmm. And But the intervals, the change in the intervals is so small that people thought that nobody would notice. <laughs> and most people don't notice in all music since Bach. Bach demonstrated this in the preludes and fugues for the well-tempered clavier, showing how you could play in every single key now. Mm -hmm. 
And so most people don't notice. Most people haven't a clue. You, you know, you have to be very refined in your hearing and, and quite sort of musically educated to really de detect the difference. And so in a sense, it's a kind of fudgery. You know, it's a pact with the devil. You know, we'll make all our music out of tune and look mm -hmm. what we can do with it. You know, it's a Faustian bargain. And um, so what it means is that, that music is out of tune with our own geometry, but the harmonics, what we're doing with this, um, way of chanting. We're chanting on a single note and the other notes you hear come about through the amplification of the sound through the different resonant cavities and these are and can only be in tune which means that you're manifesting auditorily uh, your own sonorous geometry. So your own, your own geometry is becoming audible. So, so there's a kind of profound recognition when we hear that and it sounds also these sounds are very ethereal because they have no harmonics. So it sounds like you know, people talk about the music of the spheres. It's, mm -hmm. it's, and it means that we can be in tune mutually, harmoniously uh, resonant, internally coherent, mm -hmm. mutually coherent, and coherent with nature, with the geometry of nature outside us. And to be healthy, we have not to be just internally coherent, coherent with our community, mm -hmm. and but also coherent with nature. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to be sick. So, so I, I, I speak a lot of. Say that again. No, this is just a wonderful way of being in tune. It is, it is. I mean, we speak about, you know, an, an instrument being in tune, a piano being in tune or out of tune, but we don't often pay attention to, are we in tune? Exactly. Are we in alignment with, as above, so below? And, and I speak a lot about co-creation, and I'm thinking about that in relationship to what you're speaking about, because it seems to me that when you're able to become in tune in the way that you're speaking of it, you're really connecting in with that greater field of creative intelligence and able to then co-create with it. Absolutely. And I mean, when you said as above, so below, Boethius talked about um, music, uh, music, musica um, humana, which is psychology, musica mm -hmm. mundana, which is, which is astronomy, Mm -hmm. And musica instrumentalis is, is, is the music that we create, which harmonizes the human music with the cosmic music. Mm -hmm. so that's the point about music, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and as you say, once you're, once you're in tune with it, then you can, you can, you can create, you're in harmony, you're in the flow of the Tao, and, mm -hmm. and there is no resistance to the flow. And so what needs to come through and what needs to be created in the world can be made accessible. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really quite beautiful. Every, every piece that you have put together in this way. And, and I, I told you when we first spoke that um, I had heard about you uh, probably in the, in the mid eighties when I was doing my work with music. And, um, and so I'm so delighted to finally get a chance to speak with you. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it takes us a little while to get to get there. Um, and to go back to the, the family constellation work that you're doing. Where do you see yourself going with that? And because it, it, there's some sensing I have that there's some next step that 
is emerging with that? Well, I mean, it's so, so interesting. You know, this weekend coming, I've got the, the, the third one I've, I, I've, I've done online and, and I've been refining it and refining it each time. And each time I'm getting more. One of the things about the family constellations is, <clears throat> um, I mean, how I should just say how it works. So if you were working, <laughs> you would choose from a, a, the, the people present, either on Zoom or in reality, um, uh, to somebody to be your mother, somebody to be your father and your siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and they're naive representatives. They don't know them. They, they don't know these people. But, but the magic is, and this is bizarre, once you say you're my mother, um, that person becomes your mother. And I saw this one with my son, my musician son, Cosmo. Um, he he wanted to do, experience the work, so I didn't work with him, but he was a representative. Mm-hmm. And I had these two brothers who worked with me. One of them had worked with me for many many years. He was doing his PhD at Cambridge in music, and mm-hmm. spent he did all my workshops. And he came with his brother on this occasion, and his brother was sort of the vulnerable one. And he chose when he was working, he chose Cosmo, my son, uh, to represent his brother, who was also present mm-hmm. in the room. And so my, my son, Cosmo, had never done this work before, and he didn't really sort of understand it yet. And um, so he stood there, and then he crumpled. And, and then I could see the workings of his brain, since, you know, he was my son. And this, I could see him saying, this is ridiculous, I'm Cosmo. <laughs> then he crumbled again. And then I could see the working. No, no, this is ridiculous. I'm cosmic. And he went from from this sort of very vulnerable, crumpled being mm-hmm. to to the rational mind kicking in and saying, "No, no, I'm myself." You know. Mm-hmm. And and so finally he got it, and he remained, you know, the crumpled human being that he was representing. But this is what it's like. So it's completely, you know, beyond anything we understand. It just means that when you when you say somebody is going to represent somebody to mm-hmm. them and it's not acting that's a very important point to make um, because you just become very quiet you just tune in and you become that person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you have in the room then you so you choose all these people to represent and i and i have each person say a little bit about them but not so we tend to think about our parents and you know the only information we think about is whether we were loved enough good enough or less or better than our siblings you know that it's a, it's a kind of mo- a tiny emotional window, mm-hmm. and um, so what I am asking people is not that, but what are the interruptions that happened to your parents? You know, did somebody die young? Did somebody emigrate? Mm-hmm. Did somebody get incarcerated? Did somebody receive or or implement some kind of injustice? You know, just mm-hmm. the facts. Nothing about were they good enough. Nothing about were they loved or not loved. Just mm-hmm. the facts. And, and just say a little bit about each person, and then they set them up. So they just set them up in the in the space. Um, and I have avatars that I use online. I have little figures. They tell me where to put. Um, and so you have a kind of arrangement of these people um, in a timeless way uh, in front of you, and you can mm-hmm. see. And then and then I come in and. I start working and so I just get in the zone and I'll bring somebody in and I'll lie them down and I, for example, and, and, and I'll say, well, who's that? And they say, oh yeah, that's my aunt. She died when she was, you know, when I was three. And, mm-hmm. and so, well, I, how do you feel? Is it better having her there? You know, so, so gradually the whole thing moves and moves and moves. And then until we get some final, uh, with some kind of huge revelation 
um, where, where there's some order brought into the system. Mm-hmm. And then I leave it there. And then we begin chanting again and so on and so on. And then next person. So I don't end it until there's some real kind of revelation that comes about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, sometimes I see so many different ways that it could go, so many different things that need working on. But what I found is you can only work on one thing because when you do that, everything else changes anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then you can come back and it's all different. And, this, and yes, then the system has changed. Totally changed. Yeah. And, and the, you can, so what's exciting, what I love about this work, and you asked me where it's going, but what I love about the work is that in order to do it, I have to be completely present. Mm-hmm. So I have to dance with the revelation of novelty of, the, of what's revealed in the moment. I can't have any oh, well, because of this, then that, or because mm-hmm. of this, then that. I can't control it. I, I have to be present and dance with the revelation as it occurs. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so exciting about it, because it's very real. Yeah. And, and you can, everybody can feel the, the, the kind of profundity and reality of it. And it, it changes everything immediately. It's not like talking therapy. Talking therapy can only exist in the rational. Mm. And think about all of our stuff is way down in the unconscious. Mm-hmm. But this way, because it's not so much talking, I might ask somebody to say something, you're really drilling down deep into the unconscious and you're revealing things in a, in a way that, you know, which very quickly and very mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. transformatively. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's really very, very astonishing. And the other thing is that, you know, sometimes we feel we need to forgive somebody because, you know, they've done some terrible abuse or, and mm-hmm. so on. But, you know, um, you, the, the problem with forgiving is that if, if I say, oh, I, I forgive you, I, there's a funny way in which I'm elevating myself above that person. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you poor little worm down there. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I dispense my forgiveness. So, so, and that doesn't work because you, you, you're definitely putting yourself above them. So rather than do that, somebody who may have done some terrible deed, they may have murdered your mother or whatever, is you honor them. So mm-hmm. you're putting them above yourself. And you're honoring them. And only then can they come back into the system because everybody has to be present. Order has to come back. Everybody, nobody can be exiled or pushed away. Mm. If you push somebody away because they've abused you, you punish yourself because you feel guilty. Yeah. I, and I'm getting the sensing of, you use the word order, you know, and how that relates to nature. And it really is, you're doing the biology of family systems. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's very interesting, this idea of order is, uh, the, the thing about the harmonics, going back to the chanting, is that the harmonics are the most ordered aspect of sound that there is. Mm. Extremely ordered. And also in the language of, of, of sort of mystical traditions, um, you know, in the Tibetan tradition, they talk about diamond mind, for example, to express mm-hmm. enlightenment. So diamond is, is uh, carbon, like you get in your pencil, where, where the molecules and the atoms or other are, are totally disordered. But it's the same material. But the only difference between the, the, the lead pencil, the carbon in the lead pencil and a diamond is order. So you've ordered the atoms so completely that the, this, this is now transparent mm-hmm. and so hard it can cut anything. So this is what happens. So it's diamond mind. It's so, so in all traditions, the idea of, of, of the development of consciousness is this idea of an in, induction of order. So, mm-hmm. so it's the same in the family and it's the same with the sound. Mm-hmm. It's the of order. And, and I noticed that you described that you, cha- you at the end of the family constellation process you chant 
Yeah. What's the purpose of that? So, so I go from, so end, when, when you end the work, um, by going back into the chant, you're going back into the sort of family field. It's a kind of healing process. It's, mm-hmm. it's a kind of resonant completion of, what's, of this moment of action. And, and um, it, it makes a wonderful way of, of ending. And, and, you know, sometimes I've watched people do their version of family constellations and sometimes they're struggling to get it to fit their idea of what it is and push it into place. And and, 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 and it's a travesty. You can't. It doesn't work, does it? You have to allow. Yes, yes. I mean, that's the same for any kind of process of of creation and healing and transformation. Yeah. It's, It's got to emerge out of rather than be imposed upon. Exactly. Yeah, which is yeah. what we're looking at in in our physical world, in our natural world. What is what is needing to be brought forth, as opposed being as opposed to being imposed upon. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Jill, you have an upcoming workshop, and I'm thinking about the one you're doing in early October. What what is that going to be? So that's going to be family constellations. Um, is so what I was talking about. Yeah, so I, I do three hours on the Friday. Um, in, in, in England, it's 5.30, which I think in the East Coast is 12.30, 9.30 in West Coast America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I do three hours on the Friday, and, and then I, I explain the whole thing, and I do two ceremonies for the ancestors, one of which is a ceremony I've created specifically for this, where everybody has an issue, or whatever issue is up for people, they work with it in a way that I guide them with the ancestors. Mm-hmm. So it relates to the issue and it's completely, it transforms the issue immediately. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I describe how I do the family constellations online. And then on the Saturday and Sunday, <clears throat> starts at the same time. And I do five hours, but in the middle we have an hour's break. So everybody goes away and eats and relaxes and, you know, goes inside and inspires. Mm-hmm. So, so we have two hours and a break and two hours. And then I work with people um, individually. So I'll work with, I don't know, maybe 10 people. And even if, you're, even if you don't get to do the individual work, you know, if you're representing or if you're in the healing circle, the work is extraordinarily powerful. And if you're a representative, so often the person you're representative, representing has issues which relate to your own. And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they get people. It's extraordinary. Yes. And um, because I, I'm used to working, you know, when I work physically, I try and work with everybody. Um, but, you know, online, people's sort of sense of how long they can be is shorter. And so I only can work with about 10 people. So what I do, rather than what some people who work say, they, they'll ask people, you know, what do you want to work on? Blah, blah, blah. What do you want to work on? Blah, blah, blah. What do you want to Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll work with you. And I find that completely... Completely unacceptable. Right. Because I'm rejecting these other two people. I'm making mm-hmm. it based on some nonsense they've said. So what I do now is I do it in a divinatory way. So divination is based on the time having a quality. That's the whole principle of astrology. Time has a quality. Mm. So so and 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 divination is a kind of intersection of the question with the quality of time. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I, I put in a basket everybody who wants to work and I close my eyes and I choose the next person. So I have to, so that some higher force is at mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. in who gets to work in this moment. Yes. And I love that. It's so brilliant. Yes. Yes. It takes it out of anybody's control. Exactly. It hands it's it over. Divine. 
except mm-hmm. hand it over to the vine. Mm-hmm. And and um, so so that I'm doing on the second, um, third, and fourth of October, um, um, and um, it's it works so powerfully. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And as I say, we have group chants, which I've. I, so with the chanting, because one of the limitations of Zoom is you can't have people chanting at once because people's uptake and downtake is mm-hmm, different. Mm-hmm. And it's very kind of choppy. So people have to sort of turn off their mics and chant alone. Oh. But what I've done is I've now recorded the chant so that we can have this group chant and people can have the group chant and chant with it wow. in their own home. So that makes all the difference as well. You have been very creative in these times. You have to <clears throat> wow, yes. So I know on your website, people can also find out about your, your, um, your harmonics and chanting workshops as well. Yes. Um, can you tell us your website? Where people yes. can find you. Yes, so my workshop is healingvoice.com. Uh, That's one word, healingvoice.com. And on there, I have uh, you can you'll be able to see that um, all my physical workshops are postponed. Um, and on the homepage, I have the dates for the online workshops. And I also have a newsletter. So if people sign up to the newsletter from the website, from healingvoice.com, and sign up to the newsletter, then when I do the next one, I announce the date to everybody. So, okay. so anybody interested should sign up to the newsletter and then they'll get told of the next one. But they're always on the homepage, the dates of the next online workshops. Wow, oh, that's wonderful. Work. Makes it very easy then. Very easy. <laughs> Jill, thank you so much for your graciousness, for all that you have shared with us. And for t- particularly for me, for sharing a little of the, of the, the chanting. Um, that was very meaningful to me. Yeah. And, um, and I've learned a lot. Thank you. You're most welcome. A pleasure. So thanks to our listeners, too. Thank you for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. Remember, you can find us on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening today, please leave us a review because that lets other people access the wisdom and that helps transform the world. And for more about fast-tracking your ideas to creation and revenue, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at thebacainstitute.com. That's B-A-C-A. Take the quiz and find out your creative innovator style so that you can turn your ideas into reality without missing another moment. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook. <laughs>